Welcome back, legends, to the Doctor Supercoach podcast. I'm Chizo, and I'm joined today by Pistol. Pistol, how are you, legend? <laughs> I don't quite think you are Chizo there, JB. Well, he's on every other podcast. I just, I just figured I was Chizo now. <laughs> no, I think uh, not one of us has to be Chizo at any one time. I think he's uh, preparing for the cyclone up in. Uh, Townsville that's about to hit him so uh, hopefully he gets through that all right well the cyclone hit a lot of people's teams this week pistol and we're going to go through all that um well you and I though you and I went well how how'd you go for the week I managed to avoid most of the carnage I think I did have my fair share of bad rookie scores but pulled out a 2301 for a ranking of uh, 1940 going into round two how about you um, I was just ahead of you. We have a lot of players in common, which is is crazy. When considering, I mean, we never compared our teams, did we? That'd be crazy. <laughs> Not um, once. <laughs> I scored twenty three eleven, and I'm ranked fourteen fifty six going into the second round. Hopefully, my team can back it up. Um, before we get into the players, Pistol, would you like to take us through the charity website? Yeah, so we had a couple of donations throughout the weekend, so thanks very much, guys. Um, to Shannon, thank you for your donation. Really appreciate it. Uh, the Tubmeister said, best podcast around and gave a very sizable donation. Really appreciate it, buddy. If you want to uh, inbox a page with your team or want a team review on the, the podcast, just let us know. You can email us at uh, drsupercoachpod at gmail.com, which is just D-R-S-C-P-O-D at gmail.com. And to Jack, who is... One of our admins, he donated $10 as a Zach Jones tax. (laughs) So basically the story about that is uh, we did have our Keepers League draft, which we'll announce a bit later in the week. But uh, another admin happened to choose Zach Jones in the 10th round, uh, which we thought was extremely early. So uh, two of them, Jack and the other admin, decided to make a bet where if Zach Jones scores above 90, Jack will donate $10 every time. And if... Zach Jones doesn't score above 90 for the whole season, the other admin would have uh, donated $50, which come round one is already $10 in. (laughs) I think Jack might have to donate a bit more throughout the year. Hopefully. I mean, it's all for a good cause. So um, I don't know if he made the bet wanting to donate to charity because it seemed a little silly considering Zach Jones' role this year, but it's all for a bit of fun and I'm just glad he actually donated it. It's It's a great cause. Yep, there's nothing better than someone keeping to their word on bets. No doubt, no doubt. Um, All right, so let's get into the teams now. There were a lot of... um, There was a lot of carnage over the weekend, Um, even though you and I managed to avoid most of it. um, We'll focus on the positive first, and that's the overperforming premiums. Josh J. Kennedy, Pete, would you like to say a couple of things about him? He had a massive score. Yeah, absolutely loved his game and watching him play. I mean, such a dead-eye at goals, seven goals straight. Can he keep up 174 average? Obviously not. Um, Will he be one of the top six forwards this year? Probably, yes. Uh, In which case, he is quite a good option. Uh, You can't catch his 174. It's already gone and been. So, you know, chances he gets another 174. I I think he will be able to beat up worse teams at home. But... um, Look, if, if you happen to have an injured forward, uh, a couple spring to mind, which we'll talk about later, he should definitely be at least on your watch list for next week and see how he goes. Yeah, there's no doubt. But if you're getting JJK, you can also completely expect those 70 to 90 scores as well when he doesn't kick bags of goals against poor opposition. Sorry, North Melbourne fans. 
Um, and on to our next one is Dyson Heppel. And what a game and what a story from the Bombers on the weekend beating Hawthorne. Um, there was a couple of stories that went around on the media saying no one even knew who to support. Do we support Bombers? Because... I mean, we all know the backstory behind them. Or do we support Hawthorne, whom most people hate unless you're a Hawthorne fan? Um, and the man that stood up the most for Essendon was Dyson Heppel, scoring 152. Um, obviously, that high number isn't sustainable, but do you expect him to average 110 plus, Pete? Look, he's priced at 513300 which is a fairly nice price for a premium midfielder. Again, I said in the preseason I thought he'd uh, finish with around 107 average. Coming out with a 152 straight away against Hawks is kind of making me look a bit silly. Um, he does have a favourable fixture in the short term with Brisbane this week, followed by Carlton the week after. So I think he's going to at least start really, really hot, um, kind of like Zaharakis last year. I don't think he's still going to go above 110, but now I'm thinking maybe if he goes from 1-7 to 1-10. I'm still not sure he's good enough to be your final midfielder in your team, but I could definitely be wrong. So if you have him, well done. If you don't have him, I don't think I'd rush to get him in. What What are your thoughts? Uh, if you already have him, then you've, just, you've made a really good pick knowing that their fixtures do lighten up now and probably not expecting him to do this well against Hawthorne, but... Um, it's an added bonus. Uh, I agree with you. If he goes from that 1.7 predicted average to 1.10, then he's good enough to have in your team for longer, but I still don't think he'll crack into that top 10 um, midfielders and to complete your team to get that highest average possible, um, you might want to trade him out late in the season for someone that's dropped in value just in time. Um, and then that leads us to our next pick, and you had to have been ballsy to pick him in your team, although he's only 400k. That's Elliot Yo-Yo-Yo. Pete, you have a, a history with Yo. What are your thoughts? Oh, the burn man is back with a big <laughs> score to lull you guys in right before he cuts your throat and ruins your team pretty much. I think uh, it's a no to the Yo, and uh, let's let's go and move on. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, He's just, he's so up and down, excuse the pun. Um, I think everyone uses that pun each time he scores well or scores poorly. He's so up and down. Um, But yeah, he's just someone that you you just have to ignore, even though his price is a little tempting. Um, Along those lines with the tempting price is Mark Murphy. He killed at 138 points. From his last few years of Supercoach Pistol, can he keep up a one, uh, even a 105 average? I think it's possible. Um, at his price, it's obviously a very generous price. So I think he would be a decent stepping stone. Um, I'm not sure you're going to want to burn a trade to bring in a stepping stone at this stage, especially with um, the rookies we'll talk about later. Looking, I don't think they're going to provide the strongest of cash generation. Um, he does have good fixtures ahead as well, just like Apple. He, he plays Melbourne, Essendon. Um, Gold Coast. I think, yeah, I think he'll get off to a good start. And as I said just before, good stepping stone. Not sure I'd bring him in. Maybe if he had an extra 100K and Jaeger doesn't perform again, possibly look at the swap. But I think it's one of those picks that you had to have started with and now you just let it go. If you picked him over Beams, you'd be happy with the first round score, although Beams did play very well on the weekend. So I wouldn't count your chickens before they hatch, that's for sure. Um, next one we're going to address is Nathan Jones, who went off for a 132. Now, this has been a bit of a strange return to form, something that no one really predicted. Um, it's just uh, a flash in the pan pistol. Yeah, I wouldn't really read too much into it. Melbourne absolutely 
thrashed Saints. So I think a lot of their scores are a little bit uh, overinflated. But yeah, don't don't pick Nathan Jones. Yeah, that's that's definitely a smart decision. Um, we're going to get to a couple of crows next who seem to have. Um, smashed what we expected them to score. They're both around that 400k mark, and that's Charlie Cameron and Rory Atkins. Um, 119 and 116, respectively. Were they just the um, beneficiaries of a really good game by the Crows pistol? Oh, they both looked amazing, to be honest. And Adelaide are a really good side. Um, I think I would pass on Atkins as his uh, mid-only. Charlie Cameron, he was definitely playing a lot throughout the centre as well, and he looked unreal. He's a forward and he's 398k. I'm not sure he's going to be a primo, but I'd certainly keep my eye on him just to see what he can do, um, especially over the next you know, 10 weeks or so as Adelaide's fixtures open right up shortly. So definitely watch Charlie Cameron. Do I think he's going to be a top six forward? No. So it's most likely a pass, but you, you never really know. What about what do you think on those two? I mean, Charlie Cameron played a lot more midfield, which is... I mean, he either came off that half-back line and just ran straight through the midfield, which they were trialling a lot last year, or he actually started in the midfield, not in centre bounces, but um, around the ground a lot. So it's very positive things from Cameron, who's just so silky inside, but um, they're just too highly priced, unfortunately. If that were um, 50k less and we didn't have, say, Jack Steele and Nankovic as all these options... Um, or Roughhead even, then I'd definitely be considering them. But unfortunately, they're going to have to string together a few more scores um, for me to actually have a look at them seriously. And that just about covers all of the players that scored way overs and the ones that you just need to be precautionary um, when looking to get them into your team. The ones that were scoring really well, and we, we sort of expected them to. They were on our radars a little bit, but no one really dared to pick them. We'll start off with Zach Merritt, who we thought would be getting a lot less of the ball with the guns returning. He was just everywhere, Pistol. Did you end up catching that game and watching Zach Merritt? Yeah, I did uh, catch quite a bit of that game and was really impressed with what I saw. Um... Look, it doesn't even look like it's going to affect him having those players back. Essendon just moved the ball so well and so quickly. And with his tank, he's just running around everywhere. He's getting on the end of every ball. Um, he's definitely someone I'm going to be keeping my eye on. If if he can perform like this week in, week out, he's definitely going to be right up there on the top top midfielders. Um, he's a breakout waiting to happen. Or it already happened last year, but... If, if he can maintain it, it will be definitely pushing him into the you know elite elite group of super coach players. Um, it's a wait and see. It's only been one week. We can't get too hyped, but I'm pretty excited. Hopefully, he can maintain. Problem is, round 13 by with all the other major you know um, there's the Fife, there's Crows, there's Collingwood, GWS. Um, you've got all these players in the same buy, so it's a bit difficult. Um, but yeah, certainly let's wait and see how we go on him. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And speaking of breakouts, Jason Johannesson's our next one. Price at only 513k. A lot of people had him as their first pick in their side and then ended up shuffling it, shuffling it, getting Taylor Adams, getting Heath Shaw, um, who are all good picks. But Johannesson ended up with 126 supercoach. That's, um, that is exceptional for a defender. Um, would you consider him as an early upgrade target maybe? Yeah, I'm... Um- bit confused about Johannesson. I think people that watch the game will have seen that he started forward for um, definitely a lot of the game. I think he kicked two goals or something as well, um, which was really strange. Did not see that coming at all. I don't know if he's going to maintain, you know, 126 average. I still think he'll be a top defender. I'd really like to see his role settle before I definitely got him in the team. I think he's a great upgrade target. 
Um, I don't think I'd be move, moving heaven and earth to get him unless next week, um, you know, he comes off another big 120 game. Then maybe, yeah, okay. Uh, we saw what he could do at the beginning of last season when everyone started to get started to get him in. Um, but yeah, just until his role settles, I think I, I'm a wait and see. What 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 do you think? I feel like you should definitely get negative 30 each game just for that haircut. <laughs> I can't. Oh. A football player with endless money comes out with a haircut like that, and it just—it's a head turner. But he did look very good, and he was not only going forward, but he was—he had a bit of a winger role at one point where he was just—he was playing around the middle of the ground and just using—they were using him as a link-up player rather than playing at halfback where he'd have to, you know, run back and mark a man again. Um, he just—he had a really strange role where it was just all over the joint, but it seemed to work with him. And if he does it again next week, a lot of coaches will be tempted. That's for sure. Yeah, tell me about uh, your boy Ollie Wines, 533k, scored 125. How did you see his game on the weekend? Proceed with caution with Ollie. Like he's one of those players where you we've been waiting for him to break out in super coach terms for years, especially after his rookie year was so good. But that's with Robbie Gray playing very, very minimal time in the midfield. And I'm not sure what the go is with that. I don't know if he had a niggling injury or if we just thought we'd try something new for a game, which seemed to obviously work. But um, I just feel like Ollie Wines was getting all those possessions Robbie Gray was. And that's great if Gray's going to stay forward or at half forward or just go through stints in the midfield. But um, just check back next week. And if Robbie's going back through there and Ollie Wines is scoring those low hundreds, definitely stay away. Um, a player that I want to ask you about, Pete, because you're talking up a little bit in the preseason as a decent forward option before all these other ones emerged. That's Took Miller for Gold Coast, 428k, so he's not priced that highly. He scored 117 playing that predominant midfield role with Gaza. Um, how do you see him? Do you see him as an upgrade target or a potential Aaron Hall from last year? <laughs> I'm actually not too sure again on Tukmila. He, he, he's a bit confusing for me because he doesn't look like he's going to have the body to last the whole season in the, the Gold Coast midfield. But look, I think Pierce Hanley's out now for a minimum of two weeks. He's gone um, back to Ireland to be with his um, terminally ill brother. So I think that means Tukmila's going to get a couple more midfield rotations that maybe Hanley would have gotten, even though Hanley would have been playing a bit off the, the halfback line. Um Again, I'm sorry for sitting on the fence. I don't really know so far what I think about Tuke Miller. I want to see him put up numbers around the 100 mark a bit more consistently. If he pops out a couple more in a row um, around the 100 mark, then yeah, by all means, he's probably going to maintain that throughout the whole season. But certainly there's a lot of um, forwards priced at like this 430, 440. I think we're going to talk about a couple more coming up the exact same price range. And I just don't know who the best pick is. Yeah, I mean, we can get to one of those right now, and we'll get to a couple of those, actually. Nankivis and Steele, I know they're 60k less. We'll get to the 431 you were referring to earlier. Um, Nankivis and Steele, you can save 60k on these two guys, and they went 114 and 113. Um, that's just exceptional from those two lads, and it's it's pretty much what everyone hoped coming into the season, but no one truly believed. Um, from them, if you don't have the minutes at Panic Stations... Oh, I'm not sure it's panic stations just yet, but if they put out another 110 plus next week, I probably would be starting to to try and move to get them in. Um, and Curvis looks unreal, although he was playing against Cruiser, who also, they both had very high uh, hitouts to advantage games. Um, I'd love to, going to watch him again this week, obviously, when I mean, he's taking on Collingwood. And 
Look, he looks great. He did everything right. He tackled well, hit outs, got into spots, kicked an early goal. Um, if he can maintain anything above 85, really, it's <laughs> that's solid enough. But, he, I mean, 110. If he can get a couple more hundreds, I'd be ecstatic with that as a pick. If you have Sandy Lens, obviously, I would be um, considering Nankervis just as some sort of cover. If you've gone with two primos, I'm not sure it's going to be worth your time getting Nank in unless he keeps scoring 100s. Uh, I would be more inclined to get Jack Steele at 347k. He came 113. I think he was probably second best for the Saints uh, behind Rewalt before he got injured. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I think Jack Steele, large contested uh, ball winner, used it well. I'm looking at his stats and I'm not entirely sure how he managed to get 113. Um, that seems quite generous as well. So that's a little bit of a bonus. I think he's going to be a really good get for Saints. And honestly, watch him closely this week if you're thinking about getting him. And if you like what you see, I would not be surprised if it'd be a great season-long pick if you get him in your side before prices change. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. From Nankovic and Steele, if you started with both of them, you were both ballsy and very, very happy on the weekend, which I know you and I were, Pistol, so um, good selections from us. Looking at the other two players that I'm assuming you were referring to around that 4.30 mark, that's Chad Wingard and some unknown player... Who's that? He's got a hundred. Oh, Sean Higgins. <laughs> yes, um, Sean Higgins is the other one. What do you think of these two guys? Uh, and can you give go, me a bit of a comparison for me? Go on. I know you want to uh, talk about how great Sean Higgins is since you've been doing it all preseason. Let it off. Uh, I mean, I, I, neither of these two players are anywhere near my favourites, so I, I don't know why you'd want me to talk about them. <laughs> go on. All right, so Sean Higgins was amazing, everyone, and I, I told you so. I, I don't want to say it twice. Okay, well, I told you so. <laughs> Higgins played predominantly through the midfield. Um, he was just, it was for, considering he didn't kick any goals, to get 111, I could not be happy with that. He was playing all through the midfield. There is a slight worry if Mountford holds his spot and Cunnington comes back, if he may lose that midfield, like some of that midfield time. But he was just exceptional. Um, I, I honestly, I was thinking 95 to 105 is a win for him. But to go 110 plus was just excellent. And Chad Wingard, who's another one of my favourites, being a Port fan, um, 104 on the weekend, and he played a lot of midfield time as well. I know there were stories about Ken Hinckley saying that he was going to do that throughout the preseason, but he's been saying that for five years now. And I'm pretty sure Chad hasn't even been in the comp for five years. So um, yeah, it's just um, it was good to see him actually thrown in there for a while. And he made the most of it. He tackled well um, when he was in there. I don't know if they're credited or not, but um, he definitely got a lot of possessions from there as well and kicked his few goals a game. Um, would you get either of these two picks, an upgrade target or a potential side swap for one of the um, mid-prices we just spoke about, Pistol? Yeah, look, they they both look unbelievable. So to be honest, if Roughhead has a couple more stinkers, I would certainly be looking at getting in Higgins or... Uh, the Chad. I'm not sure which one yet. Uh, I'll have to watch him more carefully this weekend, especially with uh, Cunnington back for North Melbourne. But but Sean Higgins looks unreal through the midfield. He used the ball so well. If he can keep that up, he's going to average above 100 as a forward, I think. Um, he didn't even, as you said, he didn't even kick a goal to like inflate his score or anything. And they got done by yeah. quite a few points. So, 
look, I'm not, I don't want to give you any more praise because we're just going to sit here tooting your own horn because you did well in round one. Round two is a whole new ball, <laughs> ball game. Maybe you'll get injured and then uh, you'll be crying next week instead. I think I'm crying now just you mentioning the fact that he could get injured. Um, <laughs> we're going to go past him and look at... Um, all right, we'll go for three defenders. Jeremy Howe's the first one. And I think you were hot on him early, but the his buy situation is very tedious with the backman. Um, Zach Tui's the next one. He scored 102 um, and was very popular in the preseason considering his form. And then the last one is Zach Jones, who we were previously mentioned with the bet. He scored 95 at 300k. Um, can you just give me a word or two on each of these picks and how good they actually are? Sure, yeah. I thought Howe was a great pick preseason. I did talk him up as a smoky. And he came out with 105. Thank you for proving me right. Didn't select him because I'm an idiot. But also the buy, <laughs> buy situation, sharing it with Laird, Heath Shaw, Taylor Adams. Can't really have how as well as your four missing the same buy. I couldn't do it to myself because I wanted to get the other ones more than him. And they all scored better than him. So I guess it's somewhat justified. But he is a great pick. Um, Zach Tui, he played pretty well. Um, I know he kicked a goal right on that halftime. Um, siren that was big which yeah big it boosted his score quite a lot um, I don't know how consistent he'll be I'll have to watch him closely and next week I think and Zach Jones at 307k <laughs> well he sure uh, rewarded people who picked him and that's a big gamble to take um, again with the news that Rampy is out after breaking his arm um, I'm not sure if Zach Jones is going to have to move back more or is going to continue playing on the wing I know Alir Ali is probably coming in for Rampy but yeah wait and see on Zach Jones I don't think he'll be a primo so it's probably a bit too late if you haven't started with him but definitely keep an eye 95 is a pretty good score from someone at that price as a defender if you started with someone, um, and I'm jumping the gun a bit here into underperforming premiums, if you started with someone like Alex Rance per se, would you contemplate going to Zach Tui or Zach Jones um, this early, or are we just sticking with our premiums? No, definitely just stick with your premiums. You've, you've chosen them at the beginning for a reason. Uh, the only reason I would change a premium now is an injury, or if they've got a completely different role that's going to definitely adversely affect their, their scores for the rest of the year. And speaking of completely different roles, Dan Hanabry didn't look to be in the center at all during the game. He played um, what looked to be more of a winger slash half forward role. Um, is this due to no Isaac Heaney and Papley or is this something that we can expect going into the future for Dan Hanabry? It's a good question. I think Hanbury took a bit of a head knock early in the game, and then they kind of rested him a bit more forward. I know he played a lot of the game um, in the forward line. I think it's a one once off. I would love to see Heaney come back so I can see Dan Hanbury's role. It's not panic stations just yet. It is definitely something that if you do have Hanbury, you will definitely have to monitor next week. I definitely would not suggest trading out Hanbury. I mean, if he gets back to back fifties, you kind of have to start thinking about oh this might not not be the best pick um proceed with caution and 100 percent. if you have him in your team and you care about supercoach you have to watch hanabry this weekend um i feel like someone that you don't have to watch as closely because they actually had a blinder of a game is adam trelaw he didn't crack the 100 and i've seen a lot of people talking about trading trelaw um it's just madness, is it? Can you tell these people it's madness, Pete? <laughs> As a Pistol. Collingwood supporter, I 
love Trelaw, and I thought he was very good. I was extremely surprised he didn't crack 100. I do know the scoring system, or at least somewhat. Um, I did try and work out how his score could be 96 because it looks extraordinarily low. I can say it is possible for him to get 96, but a lot of the things would have had to have been uh, against him for him to receive a 96 from his stats. I don't know if it will happen again, but I don't think it will. I think he's going to be a really, really good pick for the rest of the season. So if you have him, please hold him. Don't get rid of him. He looks unreal, and he's going to reward you for the rest of the season. I guarantee it. Think about this. If Trelaw scored 130 in the first four rounds and then scored 96, would you be thinking about trading him out? <laughs> I'm not sure. not sure he's going to score 130 over the next four weeks, but it's definitely not off the table. The the example's there, though. If he scores 110, 120 in the next three weeks, would you think about trading him out after a 96 after that? Like, It's just craziness. He's He might have just reversed that trend, and he could go big in the next three weeks. So um, I definitely wouldn't consider trading him out. you you just got to back your premium selections. That's why you chose them. Um, and with a couple of point of differences coming up um they're they're not point of differences in terms of how many people have owned him over the last couple of years but um just the fact that one of them was coming in a bit injured and the other one um it just seems no one starts with him ever um that's matt Prittis and rory sloan who scored 88 and 77 respectively um did you notice anything off or anything strange about their roles or why they scored so low Pete? i didn't really i think Prittis and uh, sam mitchell were trying to figure each other out maybe just first game feelers coming out I think Prittis will definitely improve um, but then again Sam Mitchell is playing there taking all of his ball 38 touches pretty almost best on ground um, one to watch I'm not sure many people started with Prittis but yeah keep an eye on him see how he gels with Mitchell next week Rory Sloan I was very surprised with he didn't get that much of the ball I think he only got about 20 touches um, and, a, and a slow start by his standards. I'm not too fast. I think Sloan will bounce back. He, as you said, he's been injured in the preseason. Um, he's probably just getting into it. And once you awake the uh, Rory Sloan beast, you see what happens at the end of last year when he came home like an absolute freight train. And along those lines with similar POD numbers, um, Patrick Cripps only scored 50. Um, there were just some outstanding scores over the weekend. Robbie Gray, 38, who we talked about early, played predominantly forward, which was a bit strange. Um, Cripps with 50, Callum Ward with 76. I think the overall message that we're trying to get across, um, Jack Stephen was 75 as well, is that you just need to hold these midfield guns that you know are guns um, just off the back of one score. Um, if they start doing it two, three, four weeks in a row and you notice that they're playing different roles, that's when you, you hit the panic button and start thinking about alternative options. But so early on, one score is is just going to be so minuscule in their whole season. So definitely hold on to them. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to quickly address Luke Dowhouse, who only scored 85 and people were jumping on quite a bit for. It's um, News came out that he, he actually missed the whole fourth quarter with a head knock. So um, consider he would have definitely scored 15 in that last quarter. He's turned up. So there's nothing to worry about with him. The next two players, however, um, they're both forward mids. Toby Green and Josh Caddy, 492 and 488. Neither of them cracked 75. Is there issues with these players? I should should also mention uh, Robbie Gray did also cop a head knock and then got rested forward for most of the game after that. So that might explain why he had so much forward time. Um, regarding Green and Caddy, GWS, they <laughs> slow start. And yes, they had to play Adelaide and Adelaide. They're going to get better 
Green, we know, is so inconsistent. He will come out with like a 140, and then he'll come out with a 70, and a 140 and a 70. You'll average out to a decent score. I don't think you've got to be too worried about Toby Green. Josh Caddy looks like one of the worst midfielders for Richmond. I think that's fair to say. They did have a big win, and he didn't stand out at all. Not yet panicking about him if you do own him, but watch him, I guess, carefully the next couple of weeks. Um, even if he does have a couple of price drops, again, I wouldn't really recommend trading a Primo that you've picked for the whole year, but if he's going to score you know, four or five 70s in a row and then becomes uh, on parity with like a Sean Higgins who might be averaging 100 at that stage, it might be wise to make a, a quick swap, but don't really advise it. But we'll just watch and see how he goes. Yeah, definitely. Um, again, you just got to back your picks. You, you chose these guys for a reason. You did your research in the off-season. Um, I'd just, just back him in and see how they go for at least one more week. Like We can't be thinking about trading this week unless you've got a crazy injury. And on those injuries, um, Joel Smith's the only really major one. He's going to be out for at least three months, they think. His shoulder was dislocated, which is... It's sad for those that traded him late because he wasn't expected to play round one. I think if you have Joel Smith, he's out for three months, you have to trade him. Uh, no questions asked. You, you don't have to do it this week. You can wait till next week because prices don't change and you can get a better look on which rookies are playing and which aren't. So I would hold just this week, maybe use him as a bit of a loophole um, option. I'm looking forward to trading him back in if he gets another gig because he actually looked like he'll be a decent scorer, scoring 20 points uh, in the first quarter. So... It's unfortunate because he looked like one of the better back rookie options, but it is what it is. And if you have him, you're going to have to trade him. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, on the next one, Nick Rewalt, it started off, uh, it was panic stations instantly. It was ACL, it was he's getting stretched off, um, chow to your career type of things. And then it went down to four to six weeks and everyone was like, all right, well, we have to trade out, but at least he'll be an option later on in the season. And then there was a release today saying one to two weeks for Rewalt. Um, so I think that's the final word on it. You'll be waiting one to two weeks to get him back. That then means you don't have to trade him. Um, what would you do with him if you had him, Pistol? Oh, I think this is a tough question. Also might depend if you're playing for ranking or playing for league. I think there might be a different answer. If you're playing for league, I probably would hold him if it's only one to two weeks. Playing for ranking probably wouldn't hold. I know that might be against a up uh, against a popular opinion. I think he'll be two weeks, not one. That's just my personal guess with no knowledge at all of the situation, except that he's an older fellow trying to play out for the, be fit through the whole season. Don't know why you'd kind of rush him back after a single week, but I guess if he's fit, he's fit. Um, the problem is the cover. The forward rookies did not score very well, so your cover for him is just not going to be very good. And you're going to be losing like 50, 60 points per week just by holding him and using those rookie cover. So for me to lose like 120 points over a two-week period if he's out, I would just be looking at, yep, all right, I'm going to have to trade him, trade him to a Dalhouse, maybe to a JJK, and just, yeah, make the switch nice and early. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. It does depend on what you're actually aiming for. If you're in leagues, there's no doubt that you just hold. You take one or two losses if you even take that. And then you just have him for the rest of the season and lock him in. But if you're going for ranking, as you said, due to the rookies, it just hurts so bad that there's nothing good to back you up. And you just have to cop poor scores for two weeks, which could be detrimental to your ranking push. 
Um, the next player that we are looking at, he's not. He wasn't really injured. He. Um, this was huge. I mean, this this rattled the cages of pretty much every admin that we have, and that's David Swallow. He's not expected to miss any weeks, but he did pull out of that training session um, during the week and just wasn't able to get fit enough for the game. I think it was more precautionary, but. I mean, unless you're actually the Gold Coast Medico, we're not going to know for sure. Um, David Swallow, if you've held him, there's just no doubt you have to hold again and see how he goes this week. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think they said he had a rolled ankle and he possibly could have played, but they just want him to play the whole season. So they thought it's round one, just let him sit on the bench and recover and destroy everyone's super coach side with him in it. And you and I were... (laughs) <laughs> a bit fortunate that neither of us chose to start David Swallow. We were the beneficiaries, that's for sure. And I like how he said they wanted to play the whole season by resting him for a game and thus him not playing the full season. <laughs> the rest but of I do the know season. what you mean. Um, <laughs> that's that's probably better wording. Um, yeah, you, you're definitely right. It, was, it just sounded way more precautionary than anything. If you opted to hold at the time, you were opting to hold forever. Like, there was no... There was no middle ground on that it was trade him out now and just commit to not having him or just hold him and you've just got him like there was if he if he held him expecting him to trade him during the week then i'm not sure what you're doing um and now we're just going to move on to some rookies i'm just going to flick out a couple of names um a couple of players that if you didn't start with them what do we do now um for starters, I think he was, he was super popular in most teams, but if you didn't start with Marchbank, what are you now doing, Pistol? I think Marchbank is one of the only rookies that I would be figuring out right now how to get into your, your side because Marchbank could have gone bigger than 97. He looks unreal um, playing for Carlton off that, that halfback line. I think he could be a really, really good rookie for this season. I'm talking one of the best back rookies we've had in recent times. I know that's a big call, but he looked very comfortable, very solid. Carlton defenders score typically very well, and they also got thumps. So if you can pull out a 97 in a quite a big loss, <laughs> the ball is going to be in Carlton's back line quite a lot. I think he'll score well, have a contingency plan to get him in, especially if he goes 90-plus next week. Yeah, he was definitely, um, if not the most impressive rookie, he, he's in the top three. Um, and the other two that were just super impressive, both in the forward line, if you started with, well, first of all, if you started with neither Hannon or Butler, um, would you use a trade this week to get one of them in? I probably wouldn't do it this week because you never know what's going to happen. Um, Butler... Looked very good. Um, he was providing silver service for all his teammates. Um, yes, that was a butler pun. I know it went over your head. but I It think... just wasn't funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think um, he could definitely be prone to a poor score, so keep an eye on him. I'm not sure it'd be necessary to get him. Hannon uh, looked very comfortable, and he's going to have to play well to keep his spot in that Melbourne side, but if he plays how he played in round one, he's going to hold his spot. Uh, his someone that I'm thinking of looking at getting in um, if I have to use a corrective trade on a rookie not sure who for yet maybe Taranto if he scores another sub 50 but yeah I, I definitely watch these two guys very closely over this weekend Yep, and a few of the next ones are going to be all pricey. I'd just like you to um, not not even compare them, but just rate them in desperateness that you need to be in getting them in if you've missed out on them. Um, so first of all was Hoskin Elliott. Um, second is McGrath. 
Um, then it's Menzel, Ainsworth, and Knight. So they all scored above the 78 mark or below the 88 mark. Um, all of these guys were they're very um, hot and cold over the preseason. Some of them, like Menzel, weren't even mentioned. Um, would you be moving heaven and earth to get any of these guys in if you miss out on them? Probably wouldn't be moving heaven and earth, but if Hoskin Elliott goes above 90 again, he looks very, very good for Collingwood, and I could see him maintaining quite a high average, maybe 75 plus. So if I think a lot depends on Taranto, as I know a lot of people started him. If Taranto does badly, you're probably looking at a Will Hoskin Elliott. If Otten does very poorly, and you have Taranto and you have DPP, you might be able to flick Taranto to a McGrath in the middle, maybe swing Mitch Hibbert back to the center and play McGrath in your back line. I think that's what I would do if the situation arose that McGrath scored really well and all the defender rookies sputtered it. Menzel probably wouldn't look at unless you're desperate for a forward rookie and you already have Taranto and you already have Will Huskin Elliott. SPP for Port Adelaide. I don't think we really need to say anything about him. He's fieldable. But yeah, he, he could have scored that extra goal, which is crazy out, out of a pack snap. Um, so he could have ended up on something around the 90 mark. Uh, he was just exceptional. He's such a big-bodied player. He ba- a smashed one in from 55 metres out um, and took a few running marks in um, lead-up marks in the forward 50 as well. So he just feels like he'll be a, a midfielder that'll go forward. He can kick a goal, a game, and he can get... I don't know, 15 to 20 possessions and just tackle the hell out of everyone. Um, he was super impressive. His teammate, Houston, who was down back, a little less on the job security side, but he did score well. Um, would you be looking to get Houston in, or is he too risky considering that job security? Hey, you're the Port fan. You tell me what you think about Houston. I feel like he's in PR spot, but I'm a firm believer in the fact that Port players have to earn their spots. And if Pittard comes back, um, I feel like he'll walk into the team, obviously. But there might be a player, even if it's a senior player that's performing worse than Houston, that could get dropped before Houston. But um, that's just the inkling that I get from our last few years. Um, we could just see Pittard back, go straight back in. Sorry, Houston, you're the young one. Get back into the sandful sort of thing. Um, but I, I like Houston. I feel like if he plays like he did on the weekend, he'll be in for at least four to five, six weeks even. The next few are definitely contentious ones. It's Bowes, Shawnmakers, and SPS. Um, I certainly wouldn't be looking to get any of these three in if you've missed out on them. Are you along the same lines to their pistol? Yeah, I'm not too sure. They're a bit pricey for my liking, all of them. Um, with Bose at 173, Sean Makers 155, and SPS 189. I think I'd stay away from all of them. Let's give them another week and see how they go. Perfect advice there, pistol. Um, the next few players, Stewart played well. We ended up with 57, which I, I noticed during the week, and I was just like, okay, when did that happen? But very, very happy for him to get that 57. Um, Turner, who's a little bit pricier, got 56. If you started with him, um, he was decent during the game. It's just that they got flogged, I feel. Um, did, did you watch that North Melbourne game, Pistol? Yeah, I did. Turner actually performed quite well. I don't think he's going to get dropped I know um, they said they're going to make a lot of changes to the North Melbourne side I think Turner will be safe I'd be more worried about a couple of the other rookies that I'm sure we're going to mention shortly yeah we definitely will because some of them were definitely frustrating Um, to fly through a few here Hampton was okay he got 50 he looked better than a 50 score that's for sure Um, Otten kind of looked better than a 45 but I'm, I'm not shocked that he got it 
Um, those two are just, I feel like they're locked into everyone's teams and there's not real reason to talk about them. As with Barrett, who got 46, um, I'd just stick with them, to be honest. There's no real reason to trade them out if they're playing. Um, I, I dare say Hampton, Barrett and Otten will pop up for 60s, 70s and 80s occasionally, but... I mean, I'd expect him to stick around that range predominantly, that's for sure. Um, I mean, all three played in a win and scored less than 50, so I don't know what more you can expect on a week-to-week basis. Um, oncoming is the biggest, probably the biggest talking point of all. Someone that we all had locked into our teams. Um, if you had Taranto, and I'll put you two scenarios. If he scores less than 50, would you be looking to trade him out? And what would you be looking to keep him on if he scores well, but another rookie that you missed out on like McGrath or Hannon scores well as well? Oh, as a corrective trade, if I didn't have any more bigger issues, I think I might look at trading out Taranto if he scores probably a sub 50 again. I think I would trade him out and see how Hannon goes or something like that because you're banking 90k off the bat. And then Hannon, if he scores, you know, 390s is going to go right up to 200k anyway. I, if he scores like a 70, then you have to hold him. Um, look, it's really, he's put us in a tough, tough situation. And this week against Gold Coast, where you'd expect GWS to thwack them, I think, I really hope he does well. So we don't actually even have to think about it. And we can just be like, yep, all right, good call. He's locked in outside for the near future. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, a couple of players that if they score along the same lines, you just there's no point in even looking to trade them. Um, Parfit and Proust, they're both priced very low. So 44 plus is fine. I mean, it's not going to make you crazy money, but you've heard the rookies that we've gone through that will make you crazy money. And there's not very many of them. And not very many of them are good. So... Um, if you started with those two, I'd be fine with their scores and just bank it. Um, Florent and Mountford and Foot. Um, if you started with any of them, and actually McCrady from Carlton as well, they all look like they're in a bit of strife with job security if they don't start performing well. Um, if you started with Florent and you had that 44 in your team, what would you be looking to do? I think you're going to have to see if he gets a name this week. I think Sydney are going to come out swinging the axe considering they got belted by Port Adelaide foot as well it's ironic that he couldn't hit a target by foot oh my lord (laughs) jeez um tough crowd uh, mountford i think is gonna i'd say quite certainly get dropped i mentioned Bruce. i think his job security is actually quite good now that weight is out for six weeks they said they're looking at bringing in door i think they're going to have a door Bruce goldstein attack with obviously ben brown i'm not sure how it's going to affect goldie if he's going to rest forward more but Proust, at least, the job security probably increased a bit after this weekend. Um, yeah, wait and see if they name. There's not really much we can say on, especially McCrady as well, see if they get named. And there's a couple more people. I think everyone else, the, the rest of the list, uh, McCarthy, Simpkin, Eddie, Pickett, Hibbard, you just hope they get named and see if they perform better. Um, if they don't get names, then we'll discuss it next week about possible replacements. But at this moment, just uh, don't panic and hold on to your trades. 100% agree. And it's like Bruce had to wait for the golden opportunity for the door to just open. So That was actually very impressive. Um, That's I know a triple pun. You've been waiting the entire podcast to make that but I am very impressed anyway yep and that's pretty much our rookie rundown so Pistol I believe there's been a very charitable donator um, over the past week that we're now going to do a team review for Um, you've got that in front of you why don't we get us started 
Yeah, we actually have the world's best eight-year-old playing as a Dr. Supercoach fan. Um, he tells us he knows how to do the captain loophole, which is already impressive. And he actually outscored most of you guys, I think. He scored 2-2-7-1 in round one, which is extraordinarily impressive. And his team is very good as well. Um, I'll read you out his, his back line. So Doherty, Adams, Burgoyne, Marchbank, Hampton, Otten, Stewart, Hibbard. I think the only one there that stands out is Burgoyne as kind of maybe not a top six to top eight, even a top ten potential backman. However, there is background to the Burgoyne pick, and he does know Burgoyne personally, so I think it's a bit of um, favoritism in putting Burgoyne inside. <laughs> he, he is the same price as JJ. Um, if you have the money... Would you do Burgoyne to JJ as a corrective trade before round three? Definitely. I, I, it's not even really a question. If I had the money to do that, knowing how Burgoyne started and how Hawthorne played and seeing JJ in his um, new role that helped him kick a couple of goals, I'd definitely do that trade. And it's not even that if you have the money for this little lad, it's if you have the willpower because <laughs> he knows him personally, so it'd be a big trade. Yeah, I think there's no loyalty in Supercoach. I think they keep repeating to us on all their ads. So if you want to do the best you can do, sometimes you're going to make the tough calls, unfortunately. I think Burgoyne would be some, someone standing out to me. The midfield is Dangerfield, Pendlebury, Trelaw, Bont, Fife, Beams, Jaeger, SPP, Barrett, Parfit, Mountford. Can't really get much better than that, to be honest. Mountford's at risk, but we'll wait and see. It's bloody good midfield. <laughs> Can't really see anything bad about it. All ticks. All ticks for yeah, me. Fantastic. He's gone with a Sandy Wits combo in the ruck. How do you feel about that? Well, I feel like he listens to us on the podcast because both of us have gone for that as well. Um, it's it's so risky, but Wits scored at 81, and if he can keep scoring that 75-plus scores and Proust stays in the squad with Magic in there, so Goldie's not doing amazing. Um, Max Gorn, I, I have a funny feeling Spence will come back to haunt those Gorn owners at some point. Um, I do like the Sandy-Wits combo because Wits is one of the better cash cows this year. Yeah, I think we forgot to mention Wits, but he's played particularly well on the weekend he has quite a lot of upside i think he he dominated the ruck but he only had i think it was 19 percent hit outs to advantage which was the lowest of all the ruckmen in round one which means he's just got generally really good upside if he can improve that by you know 10 percent, 20 percent, that's you know an extra 5 10 15 points a game obviously we're only expecting you know an 80 average but he already hit that with not basically getting any hit-outs to advantages. And he was tackling well, moving well. I'm really happy with the Wits pick. Hopefully, Gorn and Goldie don't go absolutely ballistic to haunt us. But so far, round one, I think you'd say Sandy Wits probably a winning combination. Yeah, it's a tick so far. So for the forward line um, in Ben's team, we've got JJK, Dalhouse, Buddy, Nankervis, Will Hoskin-Elliot, at Taranto, Eddie, and Pickett. Again, nearly perfect. You can see why this team has done so well. Um... Love the Hosking Elliott pick as a Collingwood supporter and he's nailed Dalhouse and Buddy and JJK, really. I can't even... I'm really impressed. I can't really say too much. <laughs> Have you got any uh, anything you can offer? Usually with these teams, there's a few iffy picks and you go, yep, yeah, you could offer a them to them. This team's really good. I can't believe this lad is eight. I feel like he could get on the podcast and teach us a couple of lessons. 
Um, the only thing I can think of is that that forward line was missing still for the sake of someone like Taranto. So I just hope that doesn't come back to bite him. Maybe try and generate cash early um, to try and move one of those forward rookies up. It doesn't have to be to steal, but um, that would be my first upgrade with the team. Great team, though. Yeah, fantastic team. Not really much. Bit bit blown away there, to be honest. So <laughs> thanks for sharing. Um, world's best super coach, eight-year-old. There we go. Um, good start and... Yeah, thanks definitely for submitting it to the podcast and for, for donating. Really appreciate it. Yeah, excellent work by the eight-year-old. That's that's really – it's good to see. And um, not just the Supercoach team, that's exceptional. Um, the donating as well. Um, it's an excellent cause that everyone should be getting around if you have that spare change laying around. So um, that wraps us up for the podcast, though, Pistol. Thank you very much for joining me. Um, you can find us on the iTunes, SoundCloud – and on the website, we'll obviously be linking all the charities and um, other such places to find us. Thanks for tuning in, and thank you, Pistol. No worries. Thanks. We'll be back uh, later in the week, hopefully, if uh, Chizo survives the uh, cyclone. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> okay, catch ya. <laughs>